As I mentioned at the beginning of the, the worship service, we are in our last week of anatomy of a Christian. Uh, for the past five weeks, we've been looking at the, the makeup of a Christian. What's in their heart, and what does a Christian look like in their actions? What they look like on the outside. Uh, and I know personally for me, it's been a really eye-opening series uh, as we've been digging into uh, the letter by James. Uh, so, if you haven't listened to all of them, or if you, you haven't been here for all of them, uh, definitely go to our website or our podcast and, and listen to the other ones because uh, it's been challenging, but in a good way. And today we're going to challenge, God's challenging us one more time. Uh, he's challenging us with this topic of humility uh, because it's something that we all struggle with. There's a story of a doctor in Chicago. His name's Dr. Harry Ironside. Uh, one day he was all beat up and, and convicted by his lack of humility. And so he asked his friend, what should I do? His friend said, doctor, here's what you do. You get an A-frame or like one of those sandwich boards that you see outside sandwich shops, uh, that, like a sign. He said, get one of those, put it on yourself, Write all these Bible passages on it and go around naked through the streets of Chicago other than this A-frame. Go around the streets of Chicago naked with this A-frame and shouting the Bible verses that are on the sandwich board. Dr. Ironside said, this is a great idea. Give me an A-frame. Write some Bible passages on it. I'm going to do it. So this is what he does. Puts the A-frame on him. Walks through the streets of Chicago screaming these Bible verses, uh, as he's naked other than the safe frame. He comes back to his office after he's done, uh, and he takes off the A-frame, puts on his clothes, and as he's sitting down in his chair, he says to his friend, I bet there's not another man in the whole city that would do what I just did. Talk about a humiliating experience, right? A humbling experience. Wearing this A-frame, and walking around the streets of Chicago naked other than it, and shouting scripture, uh, it would be a humbling experience as people look at you kind of weird as the kook that is walking around the streets of Chicago. But as soon as he was done, what happens? He goes from this humbling experience back to being puffed up, filled with pride and arrogance. Five weeks ago, we celebrated one of the most impactful days of our life. We, we, we celebrated a life-changing experience. It was Easter. No, the life-changing experience wasn't because we had it outside at Santa Rita Ranch. The life-changing experience is the message that Jesus rose from the dead, right? And because He rose, so will we. We will live forever in heaven. And, and so now, we as Christians, we want to live our lives to give honor and glory to God. And one of the ways that we do that is by being humble in our humility. It's part of the Christian anatomy. And yet as we look at our lives, we tend to be a lot like Dr. Ironside, don't we? We are humble when we read God's Word. We are humble when we're here at church, when we're confessing our sins at night before we lay down to go to sleep. But as soon as we're done reading... As soon as worship is over, as soon as that prayer is over, we get puffed back up. So the question is, how do we remain humble? And maybe there's one other question too that we want to answer today, and that is, 
Why should we remain humble? After all, humility isn't always the most attractive quality, right? Especially when we've made something of ourselves. Especially when we've picked ourselves up and we've been very successful in our career. Why remain humble? Both of these questions are answered by James today uh, in James chapter 4. Remember, this letter is written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, around 60 A.D. He's writing to Jewish Christians scattered throughout uh, the Holy Land. And his main thrust of his letter is combating uh, hypocrisy within the church. And one of the ways that they were living hypocritical lives was by not being humble. There was a lot of boasting, a lot of bragging, and their lack of humility was leading to all kinds of sins. And so in James chapter 4, the last half of James chapter 4, he reminds us about being humble. And here's your first point that he makes. Be humble by remembering who you are by nature. Be humble by remembering who you are by nature. Here's what James says. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Yikes. Uh, Some harsh words from James, isn't it? He says, wash your hands... You sinners. We don't necessarily like hearing that, do we? You know, we use that word a lot. Sinners. To sin. We use that word quite a bit in church and in churchy things. Uh, But do, do we even know what it means? To sin means to miss the mark. So you kind of think of an archery uh, field. And you've got the, the target at the end. And you take your bow and arrow. And you shoot the arrow. And you come up short. You miss the mark. That's what to sin means. And so you sinners is a bunch of people who miss the mark. God's mark is up here, and we keep falling short way down here. That's what to sin means. And James says when you remember that you miss God's mark, you will remain humble. He says, come near to God, and God will come near to you. But again, we are sinners who have missed the mark. And so we need to approach God on His holy terms. And so how do we do that? James lays that out for us here. When we remember who we are by nature, we will, one, wash our hands. He says, wash your hands. Remember, he was writing to Jewish Christians, and so they remembered the Jewish laws and what happens in the temple. And so uh, when he says, wash your hands, their mind automatically goes back to the high priest and, and the temple ceremonial washing. When you enter the temple, you had to wash your hands. Why? Because nothing unclean could be involved in the sacrifices. And so you ceremonially washed your hands to make yourself clean before God. It was a powerful reminder that you can't just approach God, that there is something wrong with you that doesn't allow you to go before God. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. And so, what's he saying? Stop sinning with your hands. Turn 
And remember that you've been washed in your baptism. He says, purify your hearts. We don't just sin outwardly with our hands. We have sin right in our hearts. Bitter, bitterness, envy, lust. These sins reside in our heart. And he says, as you approach God, purify your hearts. Don't just change your outward actions, but purify the inside too. How do we do that? It's by reading God's Word, right? When we read God's Word, bitterness, envy, lust, all those uh, sins that we harbor in our hearts get pushed out. Wash your hands. Remember that you're baptized. Purify your hearts by reading God's Word. And finally, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your gloom to or your joy to gloom. James isn't saying that when you become a Christian, you have to go around and be depressed. That's not what he's saying. Remember the context. What's the context here? It's as we approach God. Right? As we approach God, we should be grieving, mourning and wailing. Why? Because we haven't lived up to his, his mark. We are sinners. And our sin has broken our relationship with God. And the sad part is, we all remember a time when we have laughed at sin. Maybe it was something we did that was sinful, that we thought was funny. Maybe it was something a friend did that we thought was funny. Maybe it was a dirty joke. Maybe it was just foul language and, and a string of foul uh, curse words we thought was hilarious. Maybe it was the fact that our friend fell over because they were so drunk they couldn't stand and we thought that was funny. We've all been to a point where we've had joy in our hearts because of sin. Something we did that we were actually joyful and proud of. James says, don't be full of laughter. Don't be full of joy because of sin. Because it's your sin that has separated you from God. This isn't something to be joyous about. It's something to grieve, mourn, and wail. And when we do that, when we humble ourselves and we wash our hands, purify our hearts, when we grieve and mourn our sin, what's the Lord going to do? He will lift you up. When you are down here, the Lord is going to lift you up as He reminds you that you have been baptized. That He's washed your sins away in your baptism. He's going to remind you that Jesus lived and died for you and has purified your heart. He's going to remind you that your relationship with Him is restored. Not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the message He's going to tell you when you remember who you are by nature. He will pick you up off the ground. Not with your own works, but with Jesus' works for you. But here's the question. Can't you know all this without being humble? Can't you know that Jesus 
lived, died, rose again. He's washed you clean in your baptism. Can't you know all that without being humble? Well, let's see what James says. A lack of humility leads to a disregard for God. That's what he's about to tell us. When we lack humility, we aren't going to care about what God says. And so James continues, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Let's stop right there for a second. As I mentioned earlier with Dr. Ironside, we've all been there, right? We've all, had, we've all been convicted. We've, we've all been humbled by God's Word when we confess our sins, remembering who we are by nature. And yet in the very next moment, we've been puffed back up. And we lack humility. And when we lack humility, it leads to a disregard for God and what He says in His Word. And, and now that manifests itself in a whole bunch of different sins. But James focuses on three here. And the first one is slander. Do not slander one another. Because anyone who speaks against his brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When we lack humility, we don't care what God says in His commandments. We don't care about that eighth commandment. The one that says, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Uh, Don't cut them down behind their back. Uh, Even if what you're saying is true, if it hurts their reputation, don't say it. When we lack humility, we don't care about that commandment. We chuck it out the window. We say, God, I know what you say, but I'm not going to listen. That comes from a lack of humility. Not not, Not only do we disregard what God says, but we disregard the other person by cutting them down behind their back, by cutting them down to their face, going on social media and writing all kinds of things on Facebook and Twitter, uh, we just don't care about the other person. And it stems from a lack of humility. But he also says, uh, when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you... Who are you to judge your neighbor? A lack of humility leads to sinful judging. Now, we have to remember that not all judging is a sin, right? In fact, there are several sections of God's Word that talk about getting into the lives of other people and encouraging Christians to get into other people's lives and and bringing them back when they are going down a path that's going to lead to hell. Uh, That's not sinful judging. That is God telling you to use His Word to teach, correct, and rebuke, and train in righteousness. And, And so not all judging is sinful, but there is sinful judging. And a lack of humility leads to that. Sinful judging is when someone says that they're sorry, and you say, no, you're not, as if you can actually read that person's heart. Sinful judging criticizes without love. And so you rebuke and you correct somebody without love for that person. You're just correcting because they're sinning. I'm going to correct them. 
without love. Sinful judging makes us feel... Sinful judging makes you feel morally superior to someone else. So in other words, I see you sinning and I feel better about myself because, well, I'm not doing what you're doing, so I'm better than you. Sinful judging goes more than just criticizing the sin, more than just correcting the sin, but actually makes a person feel worthless. So an example of that would be, I correct you for sin that you're committing, you repent, you turn, but then I continue to make you feel bad. I can't believe you did that. That is sinful judging. And when we do that, we disregard God as the judge. He says there's only one lawgiver and judge, and that's Him. And a lack of humility leads us to kicking God off of His judgment seat and saying, I'm the judge, Lord. And God says, no, you're not. I'm the judge. Yes, I've told you to be in people's lives. Yes, I've told you to love them enough to correct them. But I am the judge. You are not. But a lack of humility leads to judgmental hearts. And finally, James says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. When we lack humility, it leads to boasting, doesn't it? It leads for us to say, by my power, by my wisdom, by my business-savvy mind, I'm going to make a life for myself. And in a year, we're going to be mega-rich because of me. Lack of humility leads to that. And James says, you don't even know what tomorrow brings. We don't even know if we're going to wake up tomorrow. We don't even know if we're going to leave here, get in a car accident, and that's going to be the end. We don't know that. But a lack of humility leads to kicking God out of control and saying, I'm in control here, God. And the thing with all three of these is a lot of times we don't even realize that our heart is filled with them. They're so subtle. They're so subtle that we don't realize that the arrogance is living inside of us. But then what happens? God convicts us. And we go back to the first one. We remember who we are by nature, and we're sorry, we're humbled, and then we're done hearing God's Word, and we're puffed back up. The cycle just continues, right? What's going to keep us and, re- uh, and, keep us and remain humble? There's really only one way. It's by remembering that God regarded you worth dying for. Think about that for a second. God regarded you worth dying for. God. The holy and perfect God, the God of the world, regarded you worth dying for. 
his creation. Jesus looked down from heaven, God himself, and he saw in our hearts and in our actions the lack of humility, the slander, uh, the, the boasting, the judgmental hearts. And Jesus said, I'm going to save them. And so what did he do? He stepped into the creation that he created. Now Jesus, in heaven, as he's up in heaven, he doesn't need any food to sustain himself, right? It's perfect there. And so when he steps into to earth, all of a sudden now Jesus feels hunger pains. In heaven, Jesus didn't need to drink. He was sustained. And now he feels thirsty. In heaven, there's no evil. There, there's no temptations. Now he steps into, he- or into earth and he faces every temptation that you and I face yet was without sin. We know how hard it is to fight temptation, don't we? Sometimes it feels so hard that we can't even resist it. And yet Jesus uh, faced it all and was without sin. In heaven, Jesus couldn't get hurt. He couldn't get sick. He couldn't stub his toe. He couldn't break an arm. Now, he steps into earth where he can die. Talk about being humbled. God Himself becomes man and He comes for the very reason that we need. And that is for Him to die in our place. And even in His death, He was humbled. Uh, You hear a lot about uh, die with dignity. Jesus did not. He died as one of the worst of the worst on a cross. Uh, In Scripture it actually says, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And that's what Jesus did. He was cursed for us, to save us. Talk about humbling. I I would venture to guess there's nothing more humbling in the world than to remember that God Himself lived and died for us. And He regarded us worth dying for and went to such extremes to save us. When we remember that, We will remain humble. In 2015, uh, you might remember it. There was a picture that was going around the internet. Uh, It was of a a big, burly tattoo artist, bearded guy. Just huge beard, big old muscles. Uh, He was standing on a train, and his daughter was sitting next to him in a snowman's costume. Uh, But that's not really what caught your eye. What caught your eye was the long, blonde, braided wig that he was wearing and uh, the teal, greenish-type dress that he had on. The man was taking to his daughter to a frozen sing-along, and she wanted Daddy to dress as Elsa. So he had this uh, big old dress made. He put it on, put the wig on, and he went to the sing-along with her. Uh, now, this wasn't just a tea party in... Uh, in her room. This was out in public. He's on a train. He's going to this sing-along dressed as Elsa with this long wig. Might have been a little humbling for this big, burly tattoo artist. But he did it because he loved his daughter. How much does God love you? He didn't just put on a costume. But he humbled himself to become a human being and to live and die 
for you. What is the secret to remaining humble? It's not putting on an A-frame and going out every once in a while and and screaming uh, scripture. That's not going to keep you humble. What will, though, is remembering who you are by nature and then remembering how God regards you. He regarded you worth dying for. That is what's going to keep you humble. And this is what we ask our Savior to help us with on every single day of our lives, that we may live humble lives to give Him honor and glory. Amen. Please stand. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for humbling Yourself to come to this earth to live and die for us. Be with us. Give us strength to live humble lives in honor and glory to You. Amen.